Hey, hey, welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited that you're here today. Welcome back to another episode. You are going to love today's episode. I am so excited that you get to hear this today. I am sitting down with Linda Roberts. Linda Roberts is an animal communicator and also a shaman. So what she spends her time doing and what her work is, is helping humans to have a deeper relationship with the animals in their lives. Um, having a deeper level of communication, being able to know and understand their needs and really have that deeper soul connection with the animals in our lives. So it's really, really neat what she does. In the episode, she gives lots of examples of the specific work she does with clients. I know you're going to be able to relate. So I had a few questions that I wanted to ask Linda, but as we kept talking, I just had more and more and more questions because this is such a neat topic and we're so blessed that someone like her has the ability to communicate with these animals, with their souls, with their highest selves, whatever you want to call it, and really bridge the gap in the physical experience to know what's going on spiritually and energetically as well. So I start out by asking some questions about, do the animals in our life have a soul connection to us? Did they choose us? Is there sort of a karmic relationship going on there? I also ask about the end of life for animals, how we can best support them in end of life and really know their needs and make them, you know, have them be really comfortable. We also talk about, you know, how we can more emotionally be there for our animals, how we can talk to our animals, connect with them, get to know what they need and how to best support them. And then I also ask a question about, do we have the ability to communicate with all animals, not just our cats and our dogs? Can we do the same with a spider, with a dolphin? And I can't wait for you to hear how Linda answers all of these questions and the hundred other ones that I think of as we are recording. So without further ado, I know you're going to love this episode. Let's jump in and welcome Linda to the show. Hey Seeker, welcome to the Awakening Her podcast. I am so grateful that you've been led here and I'm excited for you that you're answering the call to manifest more magic in your life by mastering the law of attraction. So cool. My name is Talia and I'm committed to cutting the fluff and showing you exactly how to manifest more excitement, ease, success, abundance, confidence, love, and anything else you've been craving. So if you're ready to crack the code on manifestation, amplify your intuition and play in the quantum. We are now besties. Let's do this. Hello, Linda. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Hi, thanks for having me tell you. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, it's going to be so fun. I I'm so interested in what's going to come up today. So could you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do and a little bit of your backstory? Yeah, definitely. So um, my life changed 11 years ago when, when my mom died and she was diagnosed with cancer and um, it just kind of rocked my world. And I had always had intuitive hits. I've always been somewhat intuitive for most of my life, but I kind of pushed it aside and didn't really embrace it. And I wasn't supported by anyone in my life for it. So I just kind of, you know, okay, there it is. 
but I knew when my, the first parent that was going to pass was, was going to, it was going to change my world. And I didn't quite understand that, but now I do. <laughs> so she, she passed of um, esophageal cancer um, within nine months of being diagnosed with it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in a really bad place. I was in an, an abusive marriage. And then I had, um, I have two wonderful children, but um, I also had a horse who was sick all the time. And so I, I just had a lot of stress going on in my life. And between my mom passing and me trying to deal with the stress of that, and then um, my horse being sick, chronic sickness, um, I, I just didn't know what to do. So um, I, I started to meditate. And during the meditations, my mom came through the meditations and I discounted it and I asked for proof. And she gave me the proof. Um, and the physical world gave me the proof. And um, and I was in a meditation again. I did many meditations, about five to 10 minutes every night before going to bed. And my horse came through one of the meditations. And at the time I kept him, he was about 30 minutes away from me. Um, and I was like, okay, this is weird. Okay, you're the only one that knows this information that you're saying to me how is this possible um but then i you know i asked for proof and again the physical world showed me the proof and um that's how i got started so i actually started out as a medium um and then i connected with my spirit guides and i said okay i hear the animals as well which way am i going with this and they they said you gotta go with the animals you're a huge animal lover you gotta go with the animals so um i am an animal communicator and um, that led me to some of the energy healing work that I do. I'm a Reiki master teacher as well as a shaman. Uh, the shamanic studies I do for humans and for animals. For the most part, I teach humans how to come into their, their inner shaman and their, their ancient healer that they have hidden within them. Wow. Oh, that's so cool. It leads me to a hundred follow-up questions, but that um, that is so neat that your horse started coming through in your meditations and speaking to you. And so it probably felt, it wasn't just a visualization of your horse. It was like guidance. It sounded like it was almost like a, a guide in the yes. form of your horse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I saw images and then I heard his voice. It was very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I started to, to tap into that ability and, um, you know, here I am 11 years later, this is my livelihood. I'm, I'm div- happily divorced and, um, supporting myself in doing the animal communication and all of the energy healing things that I love to, to present to people and to animals. You know, everything I do can be done for humans and animals, which is really nice. Yeah, that's really beautiful because a lot of my audience is very intuitive and um, also empathic. So we connect to animals and also to an intuition. And often I find when people are wanting to connect to guides, it's usually loved ones that have passed or spirit guides or their angels, but they all sort of resemble human. It's neat to think of communicating with animal guides. So do we have animal guides as well, just like we have spirit guides? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We have spirit animals. They're also referred to as power animals. Um, So 
Here's a little bit um, of information that I have uncovered through my studies. Our guides can shapeshift. They can present themselves as anything that we resonate with. So if you resonate with angels, you're going to see more of an angel form or feel more of an angel form. If you resonate with animals, then you're going to see probably a, an animal species. Um, and so that's, that's the beautiful thing about spirit is we can shapeshift. You know, we shapeshift as well. I don't know if a lot of your audience is aware of that, but they shapeshift as well, even in their physical form to appear different in different situations or scenarios. Mm. Can I hear more about that? Because I intuitively <laughs> feel that that is so right. So what do you mean we shapeshift physically? Yeah, well, you know, we have this aura around us, this energy, um, energy, I don't want to say it's a center, but um, it surrounds us. And so within that aura, for those of us who are sensitive enough to read auras and to read chakras and energy fields just by, you know, with our, with our third eye or by looking at someone, um, sometimes people put on different qualities and different personas when they're in a different uh, situation. Like, let's say you're having a meeting with a boss um, back in the day when we used to go into offices. <laughs> um, and uh, you would probably wear something different. So depending on the intention of the meeting, if it was a meeting where maybe you were going to be dismissed or fired or something, maybe you were going to put on some war gear if, if you were going to try to combat that or argue against it or something like that. Or maybe you would put on something that's a little more collaborative energetically um, based upon, you know, the situation or scenario. So I, I see it with, you know, I've got a boyfriend who visits me. He, he lives um, about six hours away and he comes to visit me and his energy shapes and, and changes for like the first hour <laughs> that mm -hmm. he's with me. And I'm like, have you decided on who you're going to be <laughs> today? <laughs> and I see it. It, it. It's like this melting of of energy in a form of like him in past lifetimes with me. Cause I know he's been with me in past lifetimes. Um, and, and so, it, yeah, it's just beautiful to see mm. the change. Yeah. That is so, that's something I've never thought about. And intuitively I feel that hard. I feel, and exactly the example you said, I was even just thinking about my husband. Now, when we were first dating we it, it is a different energy field and you present yourself physically even different when you're in different situations I can just see that in my mind's eye of those times and even like you said if you're going into a meeting or if I'm meeting with a client or you know something I I can feel that that's that's really neat thanks for sharing that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and we can we can shape shift into animal form as well like I remember um so you know I, I'm, I'm 55 years old. So back when I was like 23 or so, um, I moved to Chicago after college and I didn't have any family um, around and very few friends, but I wanted to to live, you know, in the, in the urban area. And um, I was getting a little, I, I was getting street smarts about me, um, but, I, but I realized what I did was when I was walking down the street in some bad areas that I probably shouldn't have been in, I was like in this little white short skirt, um, blazer suit, carrying my luggage, um, you know, just petite little thing. And I shapeshift to a mountain lion when I was 
walking those streets. And people were looking at me oddly. I still remember they were looking at me oddly and I'm like, what, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just me. And I didn't consciously realize that I was shape-shifting into a mountain lion. So nobody would mess with me. So what do you mean? Like, did people see a lion walking down the street or was it the energy of that? They, they would see the energy. So instead of um, a human form walking down the street with her luggage, they saw like this cougaresque you know, walking on two legs, but I was like a cougar. Mm. Wow. Um, it, it, and so people, it's just, it's very subtle and slight. When you look at people, um, you know, sometimes when you're driving past someone, you take a, like a second look mm-hmm. or a second glance because mm-hmm. there's something different. Maybe they have some sort of energy hat or helmet or headdress on and it catches mm-hmm. your eye. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like that. And so it was that kind of... Um, vibe that I was getting from other people. Mm. And, and I, so I, I've, I've done a journey, a shamanic journey on it to look back to see, you know, what was that about? Cause I remember getting strange looks and now I totally understand why I was getting strange. looks. Wow. That is so, that is so interesting. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So when we were a few minutes ago, you're talking about the guides and how they can shape shift and with animals. What did you call it? You didn't call it a spirit animal, but what did you call it that sometimes we're connected to? Um, a power animal. Power animal. Power animal and spirit animal are sometimes that term is used interchangeably. Mm-hmm. There's different schools of thought on those, but um, certainly they are supportive um spirits that come to help us in our lifetimes. Sometimes we have some of them throughout the duration of our lifetime. Some of them come and visit when we go through certain things. Like for instance, um, I've always resonated with cats. And so I've got a lot of the the big cats in my totem. But when I, when I went through, um, when I was starting to go through the divorce that I had wanted for 10 years, I was in a 17 year marriage too, too long. Um, and I really wanted out of that relationship. And I noticed I started to buy a lot of things with roosters. Like I brought, I bought rooster dishes and a rooster lamp. And I'm like, why this rooster? And I'm like, oh, okay. So the rooster energy is coming into my life now to help me with this quote unquote fight. Cause it was an adversarial divorce, unfortunately, um, but it, you know, the, the rooster energy helped me to stand my ground and helped me to, to stand in my power, which was something I think that relationship was trying to show me to do. Mm. So a power animal could be something that continuously comes into your experience. For you, it was kind of out of the blue. Like it wasn't like since you were a child, you were attracted to roosters and collected them. It was like out of nowhere, they started showing up just like we have with signs and symbols and, you know, notes from our loved ones and things like that. So what about when someone deeply resonates with an animal? And that's often how we hear like spirit animals. Like I've always been really, you know, tied to owls or whatever. Um, What is that about when you have a deep connection with a type of animal? Yeah. As I said, the cats, like for me, I really resonate with cats and horses. And so it was um, cat energy has been with me my whole life. So a, a a spirit, like let's say um, a mountain lion, I mentioned that before. I know a mountain lion has been, this energy has been with me my entire life. And so she um, she has helped me through various passages in my lifetime from 
you know, going to college, to motherhood, to employment, to divorce and, and everything in between. And then in certain situations and scenarios, as I said, we've got some that kind of float in to help us with some of those lessons or some of those experiences. And then they drift off. Like I don't have, like I've let go and donated a lot of the rooster plates and lamps and things that I acquired. Um, I don't need them anymore. And so that, that rooster energy is like, if we view it as a totem, that rooster energy has moved down to the bottom of that totem. I don't access that energy much anymore. I don't have a need for it. Right. Yeah. Cause it's no longer exactly like you said, no longer what you need. Yeah. That's yeah. That's really, really neat. Um, I have animal, an animal that I'm really drawn to. And I remember when I started learning about it, it's a butterfly, which feels like a lot of people are resonant with a butterfly. But as I started learning about the transformation and all this, it was, I healed an eating disorder about 10 years ago. And it was in that time, I'd always been really attracted to butterflies, but I started learning about it and more like butterfly totem. What does that mean? And looking into the deeper meanings and of course, all the transformation, all the rebirth, and then the ever sort of evolving lessons from the butterfly, they keep coming into my life. And I don't, I'm sometimes just wonder, is it sort of a universal nudge? Because there's a lot for me to learn from that animal, or is it something I've had a connection with, you know, on a soul level? Yeah. I mean, that's something that you would have to uncover on your own to go inward and to, to discover. But I know when butterfly shows up, it is a sign of transformation because um, they certainly showed up for me when I was on my awakening journey early on 11 years ago. And, you know, as you know, they go into the chrysalis, they become liquid <laughs> and they totally metamorphose um, when they come out. And so a lot of times I'll tell my, my people, I'm like, you're in the liquid state right now. You yeah. haven't got your wings yet, so be patient. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, And then you can have the wings after that, but they're all cramped up. You're not quite ready to fly yet. You're just cultivating mm-hmm. wings. Yeah. And then you have the wings and even bust out, but you're all drippy and too heavy to fly. And right. <laughs> it takes a while to get to that place where we're flying. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah, but there's good reason for it. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's so beautiful. So what about the animals that we choose as, well, we call them pets, but as mates in our life? And, you know, I know a lot of people either are really, like really dog people or they have an animal that just, it feels like they change their life and they have that really deep connection with. So could you share about, um, is there sort of those soul connections, those soul contracts? Is it, you know, why do animals come into our lives as pets and as companions? Yeah, definitely. Well, um, as you and your audience probably know, there's no such thing as a coincidence. There's a good mm-hmm. reason for everything. And so um, what I have uncovered in the 11 years that I've been communicating professionally is um, there's always a reason. It's one of my favorite questions that I ask of the animal during a communication session because I want to know because I want I want the human to to really feel it deep in their deep in their soul that oh my gosh you know now I understand why I'm in love with this dog or cat or horse or whatever it may be and so time and time again I've seen soulmates come to us to help us you know we have more than one and so 
they will come in animal form to be with us and to, to support us. Sometimes they come to help us with certain lessons, like a lesson in patience. You may have a, a crazy dog. You know, I had a dog trainer <laughs> who was a client for a number of years. She still is. And of course, she acquired a dog that was challenging the heck out of her. And, and she's like, why? She, you know, I'm supposed to have like a good, this good example. I'm supposed to have the perfect dog because I'm a dog trainer. And I'm like, well, it's because you're a dog trainer that this crazy one has come to you. It improves your game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's definitely a soul connection that I saw with with she and and with him. And he's 14 now and he's... He's starting to, um, he's a Portuguese water dog. And so he's starting to lose a little bit of his um, mental aptitude. There's a little bit of dementia going on there. Um, but the, the, st- the strong soul connection between the two of them is just unbelievable. I mean, he has her back. And he, I have a friend who house sits for her when when she's gone and he misses her and he cries for her at night and <laughs> it's uh yeah so I, I get I get called about <laughs> those types of things. Can you tell him that she'll be back? <laughs> Aww. So in that case they're a soulmate. They have a soul connection where they've agreed to come in and be in each other's lives in this capacity to teach and learn and expand. Is that kind of yeah, we have we have soul families, and so um, and I, I've learned this through my shamanic work. Is you know our soul family, we have many, many, many um, within that, and so they come to help us with certain lessons or to support us. You know, for example, she lost a beloved dog um, just before this new dog came into her world, and so she was grieving that. And he was another soulmate who she really. Um, he helped her to raise her kids. So it was a very strong connection, but um, they, yeah, they come to help us and to support us. So, you know, we have life lessons that we come here to explore and try to um, master these lessons. And so the soulmates can help us with that and they can show us things about ourselves that maybe we have forgotten or maybe we're hiding from ourselves. Animals are truly our mirrors. And so they will mirror behavior um, to us Sometimes that they think we need to acquire or sometimes to show us what maybe we need to let go of. So, for example, I had a client with this diva-esque dog. She was like a little Maltese, just spoiled to the T's, loved, very well loved, cute little thing. But boy, (laughs) if she didn't have all of the attention um, even from strangers, like repairmen, she would bark and pull at their pant legs. Don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. I'm not done. I'm the one you're here to see. And she wasn't food motivated at all. And so I was telling the human this and she's like, oh my God, you're so right. <laughs> and I'm like, it's all about her. And so she is trying to show you, the human, that you need to think a little more highly of yourself like her. And so sometimes that mirroring can, can be, um, they can be like a role model. It can be like a role model type mirror where they're like, you got to be more like me. You have Mm -hmm. to set healthier boundaries. You're letting people walk over you. You have to have higher self-esteem. Right. Oh, that's so incredible. It's just, it, to me, it feels very much like 
the same way it works with everything in life as far as how we're guided and nudged along is sometimes it's human, sometimes it's a trigger, um, a situation. And it just is so beautiful to think that our pets are doing the same thing, helping us along, giving us what we need or need to see. And I love that you said that they're like mirrors. Um, as you were talking, I was thinking about, I have a cat who is um, eight, 18 and a half, she's actually closer to 19. And she's been with me through so much, through partners and roommates. Like I got her, you know, right out of high school. And so all the moves and all the crazy shenanigans. And she came to me in a time when I think, well, my biggest struggle was self-love and I had body image issues and all this stuff. And she was such unconditional love for me. And it just she was my first pet I had really had on my own besides like the childhood dog. And I was always so amazed how I'd be going through a rough day or a rough time. I now know this is normal, but I was just blown away. And she would find me and she would curl up. Sometimes she'd curl up right on my heart center when I was, you know, really feeling down on myself. And it was such a beautiful thing to experience that unconditional love when I didn't have that for myself. And so are animals sometimes like that too, is like the way that they show you unconditional love may be exactly what you need to practice receiving or just have in your life? Oh yeah, absolutely. They help to fill that void. You know, the universe gives us everything we need. And so when we we have a void, it's going to be filled. Um, and so the animals can certainly help us with that as well. You know, there's there's a reason why they're in our lives. It's not just happenstance. <laughs> right. Yeah. So how could somebody tune into what their pet is here to help them with? What it would be the best way do you think someone could do that? Um, you know, we're all born with the ability to communicate with the animals. And this is why I teach this because... Um, I didn't. I didn't have a teacher. My my horse was my teacher, and my dog at the time was my teacher. They helped me to tap into this ability, and so I do teach um, everyone how everyone who's interested how they can communicate with the animals themselves because it's there. It's innate. It, we we all have this ability. But one of the first things I talk about in in my lessons are self awareness, being aware of. How you're receiving information, you know, if you're an empath or if you're already an intuitive or a medium, how are you getting the images or, or feelings or sensations or whispers? You know, are are you are you picking them up through um, auditory senses? Or are you picking it up through body sensations? Or are you seeing it through your third eye, like a movie playing? Um, and sometimes it's a combination of of all two or three or four of those, and so. Um, Having that self-awareness is, is key. So, for example, I had a client who, um, it, it was 30 minutes before the client was supposed to be on the call, and um, it was a dog client. And I'm, I'm working, I'm doing, you know, some paperwork or whatnot, and all of a sudden I get this strong feeling of heartburn. And I'm like, whoa, what? I know what heartburn's like because I used to have it a lot. And I'm like, okay, where's this coming from? I didn't eat anything that would have activated this in me and so I put my hand on the spot in my body on the like uh, esophagus, esophagus area I'm like okay whose is this and it showed me an image all of a sudden I got this image of this dog this dog in Florida that I was about to talk with and I'm like oh okay thanks for the message 
Now I'm going to clear it because I, I got your message. You're having heartburn issues. So, um, so I, I get on the call with the client and she says, um, well, I, I said, um, right off the bat, I go, I think I know why you're calling. He's having, he's having issues eating. Right. And she's like, oh, how did you know? I'm like, this heartburn is horrible. <laughs> Whatever you're giving him, we need to change his diet because it's causing heartburn. I think it's like too rich or something like that. And so, um, and so she changed the food and yeah, the feedback I got back, you know, a couple of weeks later was, oh my God, he's a different dog. He's so happy now. <laughs> oh yeah. So if you weren't self-aware, just like intuition in other forms, you would have felt the sensation and probably just immediately thought, oh, weird, I guess I ate something and kind of went off right? instead of really tuning in and being like, wait a minute. And I, I really, that resonates with me, especially with being an empath, being sensitive. Sometimes, you know, I'm, I, well, all the time I'm checking in going, is this mine <laughs> or right. is this somebody else's, right? Yeah. And so it sounds like checking in to see being, being self-aware and checking in to see what you may be feeling, hearing, sensing, like you said, depending on your intuitive type from yeah. them. Yeah. So does that mainly happen for us that say it's our pet in our home? If we want to connect with them, is it best to be near them, touching them, cuddling them, or is it just setting the intention? You know, everyone is different as to how they're receiving the information. Um, for me personally, I prefer that they are not there in my vision or in my presence physically because I, I get distracted with that. Um, I, I think I work better off of like just a blank slate. <laughs> just I'm not going to read any physical cues because I know that can skew what I'm perceiving. Mm-hmm. So working off of a blank slate is the way that I prefer. But, you know, some people may prefer to look into the eyes and then, you know, the sometimes the images will come through either visually or, you know, auditorially or, or kinesthetically um, when you look into their eyes. So it, it just depends. I would play around with it in, in practice. So some mm-hmm. there's, there's this, um, there's this belief that sometimes communicating with our own animals is like next to impossible. And, and, and I've heard that from so many of my students over the years. And, and I, I disagree with that. Um, I, I think maybe because you're so accustomed to hearing the animal or seeing the animal <laughs> that um, maybe you aren't consciously aware that those messages are really coming through as fast as they are because they come through lightning fast. I mean, you have to be super, super sharp to pick up on them. <laughs> mm. That's really neat. I don't know if this question is going to make any sense, so bear with me. I've always wondered how, what is going on in an animal's mind as far as like humans, we have an ego, we're very busy, we're very comparing, we're very analytical, right? Um, but the way that I perceive it, source, trees, I would think animals are much more intuitive and in flow. What is it like in an animal's mind? Are they just like patient and understanding and have a higher perspective and loving or do they get frustrated? Do they get judgy? Do they get, you know, if you bring home another dog when it's always, you always had the one dog, are they mad at you? (laughs) Like what is the sort of depth of their thinking? Yes, they are sentient beings, but they are not perfect in this form. We are in a 3D reality. It's imperfect. And so we have all of that heaviness 
that goes with it. So they have egos, they have jealousy, they have, you know, anger, spite, you you name it. They they're having a 3D experience with us. Um, so it doesn't make them perfect. Um, I communicate with trees and plants as well, and they have rivalries as, as well, and they have feelings. Um, so it, it's just a part of this whole experience here on earth, mm. having to deal with balancing some of those emotions and learning from them. You know, I used to show horses when I was growing up and I saw like my, my one horse, he, he would just lit up when he got into the show ring. He put on his, his snazzy stuff, okay? And he pranced around like a little pony that he was. And he loved it. Outside of the show, show ring, he was just like a, your everyday Joe, okay? So they, they, you know, if they like the attention, they're going to put on a show. If they're, I've got sibling rivalry. I have two dogs that are litter mates. I have two cats that are litter mates. There's sibling rivalry between the two of them. You know, it, it, we're in a heavy, dense place. Mm-hmm. Okay. Stuff, stuff is heavy for everybody here. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but do they have wisdom? Do they know us like the back of our hands? Yes. Almost always, especially when we cohabitate with them. You know, the animals that we have in our homes, especially these days, as we're sheltered in during the pandemic, the animals are really getting to know us and we're really getting to know them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had a lot of people who have reached out to me this year to say, I'm noticing that even though I'm home, my dog is really anxious and you know, what's, what's behind that. And sometimes they're empathic and they pick up on the anxiousness of the human, you know, with the riots and the election and the pandemic and jobs and homes and everything else up, up for grabs this year. People are feeling that and the animals are empathic and they're feeling that as well. Mm. That is really, really neat. And um, it makes a lot of sense because you do see those behaviors in animals. Like you said, the spite, the (laughs) jealousy. um, And sometimes you do get the feeling. I've had that with my cat for about a year or two. We had a second cat and it was just with the person I was with. And so it felt like she was snubbing me for a good while. And I'd be like, come here, Sage, come here, you know, and she kind of do this like, no, I don't have time for you kind of, you know, tail in the air. Like they love to show you their back half being cats and just turn around. And I'm like, oh, but come here, you know, and I felt that I felt bad and I felt, and I didn't know if it was just me, if I'm reflecting it off of her like if she really might feel this this sort of you know anger or whatever you would call it at me yeah yeah Yeah. oh yeah they do they they've got all the low vibration emotions like we do (laughs) wow so is there any difference in those emotions meaning like do they feel guilt do they feel shame I guess shame like I feel like we've seen shame in animals if they you know have to go to the washroom on the floor or they do something bad they kind of have that look or not bad but you know what I mean when they think they're going to be in trouble yeah. so do they have like guilt and those oh, yeah. complex emotions oh, yeah when you think of the remember the the viral images of the the dogs wearing the signs of you know I chewed my human's you know, blah, 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 blah. I don't know if you've ever seen those. I don't think I have. The internet. No. Oh my gosh. You can see the expression on the animal. It is, it is shameful and, or, or guilt or, um, or fear. They, they feel it. They feel it like we do. 
So we can help and support them as they help and support us. You know, that's, that's a balanced relationship. Hmm. So that's, yeah, that's really great. So how do we best support them? You know, because the people listening, we are intuitive and empathic. So we are feelers and have, you know, uh, I'm sure a lot of people listening have animals and deeper connections to animals. And so how can we best be there for our pets and making sure that we're, you know, having their needs met as best as possible and really having that fulfilling relationship with them? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The animals want us to connect with them on a deeper level. They get frustrated that we don't always understand them. Mm. Okay. So opening up your third eye in a balanced way to communicate with them, that is what the animals really, really want. I hear it time and time again. I mean, they come running to sit on their human's laps when we're having a phone call with them, when I'm having a session. They're like, oh my God, they just appeared like out of nowhere. And I'm like, well, they know it's time for the reading. (laughs) They want you to hear this. They want to be heard. You know, you want to be heard, right? Or, you know, for me, I'm, I'm working with my throat chakra this lifetime and speaking up and, you know, telling my truth. And the animals, they want to be heard as well. So I'm honored to be able to be their voice and to be able to communicate for them. But the best thing that your listeners can do is to tap into their own natural abilities in communicating with the animals. You can do it on your own or you can do it in a much quicker way by studying with me. I have um, private offerings as well as a digital course that you can learn from me, learn all the mistakes I made, and you can um, learn it within six weeks. I've got, I've, I've been teaching it digitally for three and a half years now, and I've helped so many people learn how to do this within six weeks. It's just wow. phenomenal. Wow. <laughs> versus versus the two years it took me to, to figure it out. Yeah, or more, really. Yeah. <laughs> it could be a lifetime trying to figure it out and yeah. not knowing. That's amazing. Well, thanks for offering that. And I'll be sure to put the link in the show notes for everyone listening if that appeals to you and sparks something in you. I have a question about end of life with animals. And is there a way when we can best navigate that and knowing what they want. This has been coming up a lot with me. As I mentioned, my cat is really elderly. I'm starting to see like quite a decline. And um, I, I have these back and forths between going and getting her tested and medicated and this and that, or allowing it to happen naturally because it's not, it, it's an old age thing as far as I can tell. You know, she's been around a long time and the body naturally starts shutting down. And so humans get to make that choice. We can choose, I want to do chemo or I want to, you know, have all the medication or I just want to let nature take me naturally. And so how can we best navigate that? with animals, trying not to grasp to just keeping them alive because we should, but also giving them the best chance at, you know, quality of life and all of that. Yeah, I've, I've been honored to give a lot of end, end of life readings, which are very touching and very moving. And I, I take that question very seriously. Um, you know, are you ready to go is the question. And from again, from my years of experience, you want to think quality of life. Um, the animals know that when they, you know, they come in the form of an animal, they have to rely on a human unless they're going to be wild or feral. And so they entrust us 
with making all sorts of decisions for their well-being, right? From food to shelter to attention and veterinarian care and, and whatnot. So they already have entrusted us with that responsibility. But you want to think quality of life. You want to think, are they are they operating at the best that they can for for what they've got to deal with right now? You know, I've had people who are like, no, I'm going to let my dog go naturally. That's that's the way of the world. And I'm like, but they're they're suffering and they're telling me that they're in pain. Are you going to address the pain? Mm. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I guess I haven't I hadn't thought of that. And you know, as the body fails and ages, there there is pain. There is pain sometimes. So you just want to think quality of life. Are they showing signs of being comfortable, at ease? Can they relieve themselves in a um, somewhat assisted way or or not? Or, um, you know, are, are they just lying around being a vegetable, you know, for full, full days and nights? Or are they getting like... Um, dementia where they're walking around the house pacing at night and panting and nervous and upset. So you want to think quality of life. Right. You can certainly look into their eyes and see when they're ready. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll see it. That sparkle will be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I get, I get the call oftentimes because pe- people want that confirming information of, you know, are, are they ready to go? I, I just want to make sure um, cause you know, you don't, you don't want to shorten it, um, shorten their life if, if, um, you know, if they've got some more time left. Yeah. That's a really great way to, to, to navigate it. And so is there anything that we can do as humans, again, in the same way that as humans get ready to pass, there's kind of this reflective, nostalgic thing that happens to them and also the people around them. It's like, you start thinking about you know, your journey with that person and what they've taught you and the good times. And there's this, you, I think it can be actually a very peaceful, almost celebratory thing within, of course, being allowed to be sad and the transition, right? So how could we best be there for the animal in that way? Like emotional needs. And I find myself now looking at her saying like, I'm so grateful for all you've done for us and for through all the roommates and the boyfriends and the moving and all the stuff. And you've been my buddy. And I'm kind of talking to her like that now because I do sense in the next year so there's going to be a transition. So how can we be there for our animals in the end of life emotionally? Yeah, I think gratitude, as you said, is is key in, in sharing that. It's it's a beautiful gift. You know, it's a beautiful gift to give love and gratitude. And so um, sending that to her both verbally and energetically is, is going to help her to know, okay, I, I, I did what I came here to do. You know, I, I did it. She's, you know, she's turned the corner or she's learned this or whatever it may be. Um, you know, sometimes when I get these messages, the animal is like, I am not ready to go. I am, I did not do what I set out to do and, you know, darn it, they're going to get this lesson or I, you know, it's before I leave, I'm going to, you know, do one more, one more lesson or something. Yeah. I mean, every, every animal is different. Every situation is different. As I've learned through the, the shamanic way, um, honoring with a ceremony of, of life and a celebration of life is very important. And it doesn't have to be after they transition. You can, you can party it up while they're still here <laughs> and mm-hmm. let them know, hey, this is your day. 
you, you know, I love you so much. And, you know, this is, this is for you. Wow. That's really neat because I feel like why let them wait until they're gone to show them how much you appreciate them and celebrate them. Everyone wants to be celebrated, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they're not always gone. Try to remember that it's just the separation is an illusion. Their spirit is still going to be around you and they're still going to be there to support you. You may just not consciously be as aware of it because they're not physically present. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. And do people ever reincarnate back into animals or into yes. animals, I should say? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I've had many, many readings where I have had to do some past life regressions for the animal and the human where they've been married in other lifetimes or um, married as humans, or they've been paired as animals, um, or they've been siblings, a lot of parent-child relationships as well. You know, so like my, my one uh, female dog, I know she has been my mother before and she's been my daughter's mother before. She's just got very, uh, very strong maternal energy about her. And she doesn't put up with a lot of nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> she's determined to come in and mother the whole soul family. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is so neat. Thank you for sharing all of this with us. And is there anything else that you want to share um, about this? Any questions you get asked frequently or anything else for our audience around that soul connection with their pets and with animals? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I hinted about it earlier. When, um, when we do a reading together, I always like to ask the animal, why are you with, um, you know, like Talia? Why are you with Talia this lifetime? And, and what lessons are you here to help her with? And do you feel you've accomplished that? And if not, what can what can we do to make you feel better about that? Or um, what what's, what necessary steps are needed in order to to have that lesson learned or mastered or whatever it may be? Um, but finding out, you know, how the connection has unraveled throughout lifetimes, you know lifetime to lifetime to lifetime. It, it's a beautiful thing. Like I did a past life regression with, um, with my, my, I'll give you my personal example, my horse. I, I asked him, I go, okay, so I know you've been in my life before, but I don't quite know what or how. And, you know, do you want to show me this? And so he showed me, I was a native, um, I was a native male in North America, um, dressed up in, um, you know, like suede clothing and um, painted face and things. And, um, and my horse, who's my horse now, he was this painted pony. So he had, um, he had different coloring about him. And he showed me, we were, we were running, he was, I was riding him. He was running really fast, like across the plains, like, like they would have races um, oftentimes in, in those cultures, horse races. And he and I were, were racing and, and I was bareback and, um, and I don't like to ride bareback this lifetime. I'm, I'm, well, I'm too old. This not, not too old, but it's not as comfortable for me, I should say. Um, but, but seeing some of the imagery and experiencing that firsthand is, 
it's just um I'm, I, I can't even think of the word it's just awe inspiring and so when I do these regressions with people who are intuitive and empathic who can easily go through a regression and they can feel it and see it and sense it it's just it's it's amazing it's like they've they've entered a candy store and they're like oh my gosh okay so there is more to life than just this life i've seen it i've felt it and and that soul connection that i have with this loving spirit who is an animal form in my life right now i i just you know it, it makes them feel so high <laughs> and, and happy yeah and i bet it makes the animal feel so happy absolutely yeah. yeah, to have that recognition and then to be heard. You know, as I said, being heard is the best thing you can do for your animals. Mm. Yeah, that makes so much sense because I know sometimes spirits, loved ones, guides um, want to be heard. And sometimes you tap in and some of them are so chatty and almost just want to give everything and have this sense of humor and all this stuff. So it just, I don't know why I would think it would be any different. Of course, it's going to be also the same with animals. And it's neat to think that they came here for a reason, just like we did. And they came here with a soul mission or whatever you would like to call it and a, and a mission with you and an interaction on purpose. That's so, so neat and magical and absolutely perfect because we do have such companionship with animals, whether it's a dog or a lizard or a horse or a cat or whatever. We do have these deep connections with our pets and our animal companions. And so it's just really neat to think of it like that. Do some of the animals come into your life even just for a short time on purpose? Because I know humans do, right? And some people, they'll adopt a dog and they only have it for the last few years of its life or something happens and they get separated from the animal or something. Um, Is that also on purpose? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, And sometimes their exit isn't always planned. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, sometimes they, they do acquire an illness or they have absorbed some energy from their human. That's another thing I really want your audience to know about is animals will, because they love us so much, sometimes they'll absorb energy gunk. You know, So if you're in a household where there's a lot of fighting or arguing or something, just make sure that you shield um, with energy your, your animals um, and then and or clear them energetically because you don't want them to shorten their lifespan by absorbing some stuff that isn't really, you know, for them to, uh, to have. Mm. I just had this image of saging my cat. Her name is Sage, which is kind of funny, but I pictured like (laughs) clearing her like, sorry, me and my husband just had a disagreement. We're fine. We still love you. (laughs) It was like a child or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is so amazing. Thank you so much for everything that you've shared. And can you tell us a little bit more about your course? And as I said, I'll put the notes in the show notes, but how does that work? What do you, what kind of journey do we go through with you in the course? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So in the course, it's um, it's a digital course. So I offer it only twice a year because I, I, I work with um, everybody in the course on um, a Zoom call, but the content is six weeks in length and it's recorded and I give you all sorts of um, approaches and tips and ideas to how to refine your ability and how to open it up. And then we do weekly Zoom calls together as a group where we meet and chat and practice on one another's animals. So you get free readings 
on your own animals because they are our practice subjects. And it comes with a certification as well. So um, there are three segments or um, parts to the certification. And um, so a total would be 18 weeks. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wanted to explore helping other people with this and become certified to help other people with their connection to animals, they can do that through you too. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And our, I keep thinking of questions. This will be the last, I promise. <laughs> are all animals, do all animals have the ability to communicate with humans just as much as other animals, meaning a spider? Does it have just as much to say and communicate and interwoven purpose as a horse or a dog? Or do they have kind of their own karmic thing going on that doesn't really have much to do with us because we're over here and they're not really intentionally communicating with us? Or does every animal have something to say to us if we chose to communicate? Um, yeah, they, they do. We actually practice on wild animals. There's a, a pod of dolphins that I like to practice with. And then um, a herd of wild horses that are out in, um, in Utah that I like to have my students practice with. But let me tell you real quick about the spider. So um, I had a student just this, um, this fall who was doubting herself in her abilities. She saw a spider and it was this big, this big spider and it was outside and she was gardening and she's, she said to the spider, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a loving, compassionate person. I'm not going to harm you, but you, you stay in your spot. You go over there and you do your thing and I'm going to stay over here and garden and take, you know, do my thing. And, you know, just don't go in my house. That's all I ask because you're big and scary. And, um, and so, so she went out the next day and she saw that the spider had caught um, something in its web. It was an, a flying insect and went and got it, waited until this woman uh, appeared, went and got it. And it started to um, eat it or drink the, um, the insect in front of her. And she said, okay, I've seen spiders. I'm like 60 some years old. I've seen spiders all my life. I've never seen one eat like this. What, what, what is this? And and, I, and so I tapped into that message um, or that conversation. And I said, well, she was showing you she's doing her thing. She's mm-hmm. helping to get rid of the insects. At, and she wanted to show you that she's doing her thing and you're doing your thing. And she's there for a beneficial reason. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. Yeah. So it's yeah. the slight, subtle, physical signs and cues that you've really got to be aware of. And, you know, as you awaken, you do, you, you become aware of so much more around your, your life. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so neat to be in the mind of a spider. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Well, thank you again, Linda, so much for sharing your gold and your wisdom. I know that my audience is going to love this episode and be sure to check her out. Thank to you book so a- much for having me. You are so welcome, Linda. I'm, I'm really excited that we got to connect. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Hey, 
Hey love, I hope today's episode resonated deep with you. If you loved what you heard today, let me know on Facebook or Instagram at Talia Joy Manifestation. I love seeing the screenshots of you guys listening to the show as well as your big takeaways. For real, come hang out. I am so excited to expand my tribe and connect with you always. So until the next episode, sending you so much love and light. You are rocking it. You're exactly what the world needs. Oh,